believe it or not, until the baptism service, and then after the baptism service, um, we're into Advent already, if you can believe it. Um, Christmas has come around so quickly this year. Um, so we've got three, three short weeks, really, church, before um, really the next season of church life kicks off. And so in those three weeks, we want to talk about a topic um, that it's important that every believer hears, and it's important that every church hears also, and that is the topic of unity. Now, we're calling our series, Better Together, The Power of Unity. What does it mean to be united? What does it mean to be together as the people of God? Psalm 133 verse 1 says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows His blessing even life forevermore. Let's say a short prayer, church, as we come to the Word. Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. The Lord, it is a light to our feet. The Lord, it would light the dark spaces and places in our lives and give us the guidance that we need. Lord, we acknowledge Your Word as our authority, as our guide in this life. And so, Lord, we pray that as we open Your Word, we would open our hearts to receive from You, Lord Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. So church, throughout the New Testament, um, we find that again and again it says that individual believers are told that we're not just on our own, but that we're a part of something much greater than ourselves. And in our society today, we know that things are highly individualized. We understand our identity by what we personally like and less so by what a group thinks or even by what society thinks to an extent as well. But in what Scripture tells us is that, yes, while we're individual believers, we're also called to be a part of something much greater, much bigger than we dare imagine or believe. And of course, church, we know through Scripture that that greater thing is the family of God, the church. But you know what? I think the Scripture is really realistic about what can go wrong sometimes. That even though as believers, church, we're called to have relationship with one another, sometimes unity can come under threat. Relationships that were once based on God's love, God's word, God's unity can become difficult and can even over time break down. And here's the thing, church, none of us are immune from getting things wrong, are we? We've all been in a place where we think, wish I could have handled that better wish I'd done that differently, wish I hadn't had that relational blip or breakdown with that person. And it's important as we, as we come to this message in specific this morning, church, is that we all come before God knowing that we get it wrong, that we've maybe looked at things the wrong way, or we've maybe handled a situation that we could have done slightly better. And you see, even the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church, acknowledges this too, that we're imperfect people with a perfect Savior. In Ephesians 4 and 3, he says this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And if we keep that up there just for another second. Do you notice here that Paul says that unity and love don't come passively? We can't wait around and hope that a sense of unity and peace enters into our lives and into our relationships. But rather, what the Apostle Paul is teaching us, church, that to have a sense of unity in God, 
to have a sense of peace in our relationships, we must make the effort. We must fight for it. There are things that we must do as believers, church, to keep our unity and to keep our peace together. If we're passive, that's when division comes in. And if we want to understand division, church, I think it's simply like this. It's distance from each other. Distance in heart. Distance in love. Distance in a sense of our joint purpose together. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, that if if you want to keep your unity, if you want to keep your relationship strong in the peace of God, the baton is handed to us sometimes to do something about it where we've got to be active and make an effort in certain areas. Sometimes we have to wrestle for unity. See, sometimes, church, relationships can be a wee bit like an elastic band. Chloe, could you come up with our designated band? Thank you. Well, we'll get the pink one so everybody can see it. It's it's a nice bright one. Oh, I have it in my back pocket. Sorry. There we go. Okay. So relationships, church, can be a wee bit like an elastic band. Now, if you look at Chloe and I just now, Okay? Don't feel just yet. <laughs> okay, so our relationships with each other, church, are we a bit like this elastic band? Okay? There's no tension, and we're bounded together by this band. And what binds us together, church, is Jesus himself, his teaching, and all he has done for us. I feel like we're standing at the altar again. Here, come here for a second so people can see. All right? But so often what happens, church, in our relationships, even as believers, is that over time, even though our relationships aren't meant to have tension, we're meant to be unified, but over time, church, things can become a little bit stretched, okay? Maybe, church, it happens (laughs) because we've said the wrong thing and we've hurt someone, and the relationship becomes a wee bit tense, Or maybe, church, we've been wronged or we've wronged someone else and we know what's happened and the relationship becomes a wee bit stretched. Or perhaps there's a wee bit of unforgiveness in our lives and we've held on to the bitterness and the sin that someone else has done and before we know it, the relationship becomes a little bit more stretched. And what we end up doing is we talk about every, we talk about the situation with everybody but the person themselves, and it becomes a way bit more stretched. And before you know it, church, our relationships with one another become stretched and stretched and stretched until, until. <laughs> you okay? <Yeah. laughs> I thought I would get snapped, not my wife. There you go. Thank you. Now, did that sting a wee bit? Yeah. Just like we feel the sting of an elastic band. Has anybody been stung by an elastic band when it's gone? We can feel the sting of a strained and eventually a broken relationship. And church, here's where I think the Bible's so honest about life. It acknowledges that relationships can be stretched and even broken, but it helps us put things back together again. And church, there will be moments in each of our lives as believers where we'll get it wrong, another person will get it wrong because we're human and things will become stretched. And if we're not careful, if we don't make the effort to keep our unity, things can break down. And church, I know the heart of the Lord this morning is that we would be a church that is united and bound together in unity and love for one another. Amen.
Amen. So church, what I want us to do this morning is to give four short principles of how we can keep unity and peace in our relationships. Now, I want it to, to be applicable beyond the walls of church this morning. Um, this is four principles to keep our unity and peace, not only as one another as believers, um, but also in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, even with our colleagues and work as well. How do we be people of unity and peace in our relationships? So as we drink in God's word this morning, I want you to know, church, that we can apply this in almost any area of our lives. Here's the first principle that we're going to look at. The first is this, tough talks. In Matthew chapter 18, um, to give you the context briefly, Jesus is, is really talking about church discipline um, at this moment, where we first, he says, to deal with things one-on-one, and if that doesn't bring a solution, bring in someone else to help you, and if there's still no solution, then speak to the church itself. Um, but it's the first principle that I really want us to look at this morning, church, um, because I think this principle carries anywhere, not just in, in church discipline. So this is what Jesus says, Matthew 18, chapter 15. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. This is important, just between the two of you, okay? Have you ever been in that situation? You see what your woman said to me, right? We've all been, we've all done it, right? We've all been there. If they listen to you, you have won them over, In other words, what the Lord is saying, we need to have difficult conversations. If we're going to keep our unity, church, sometimes we have to have tough talks. Maybe some conversations that we'd rather not have and that we could sweep under the carpet. But if you've ever found it, what happens when you sweep enough things under the carpet? You trip up, right? And what we want to be able to do, church, when the moment requires it, is to have difficult conversations and to go to the person. I think that's really important in terms of honor right? Now, do we need to go to some, someone every time something goes wrong, right? No, okay? Because in our maturity and in our growing in faith, church, we know what to let go, don't we? At times. Now, we've all struggled with that too. But there's times in our faith and our life, church, where we need to go, do you know what? I just need to forgive and forget that and have an abundance of grace with one another when things go wrong. We don't need to pick up every single thing and have a meeting about it. But in saying that, church, if things do prove difficult and we feel that relationship becoming stretched, sometimes the best thing to do in a really practical way is to approach the person personally and say, can we get a coffee? Can we talk about this? And now, is there any problem, church, with asking anyone for advice? Absolutely. You know, we all need people in our lives who give us wisdom and who are good sounding boards. And maybe you've had an experience like me where you've gone to somebody who's wise and mature in your life and, you, and you've said to them, am I seeing this situation in the right light? And they'll go, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Or they'll maybe look at you as people have to me and said, Jordan, catch yourself on, right? We, we, we need wise people in our lives. But in saying that, church, there needs to come a moment if we're not willing to forgive and forget where if we don't approach the person if we don't have the difficult conversation, but we talk to everybody else about it, it very quickly becomes gossip. And there's nothing that will destroy a relationship quicker. And on a side note, there's nothing that will destroy a church quicker than gossip. And what the Lord calls us to do, church, is to have the tough conversations with one another, one-on-one, when the moment requires it. Why? Because it's actually about honoring one another. 
It's to say, I see Jesus in you. You see Jesus in me. Let's talk it out. Let's try to bring our unity and our peace and our relationship back together. Now, I want to make a, a wee bit of a disclaimer off to the side here, church. Like, I know that there'll be things that will happen in life, and maybe things that have happened in your life where it's not as simple as just going and talking to someone one-on-one. And I know there's circumstances where to go and speak to someone one-on-one who has perhaps grieved you or you have grieved is either not healthy or safe, okay? So I want to make that clear. What we're talking about, folks, is the generic stuff that happens in relationships because I'm aware that there's some deeper issues where we need some counsel and some help to deal with that. This is more about the generic stuff in relationships, okay? But where the moment requires it, church, let's not be afraid of the tough conversations, the tough talks where we say, let's talk it out. Let's restore our unity. Let's restore our peace together. And what we'll maybe find, church, is that when we have tough conversations, it's amazing how unity can be restored. See, the enemy loves it when relationships get stretched and broken. And he hates it when we make the effort to put things back together again. Because it's one thing to feel like things have fallen apart. And it's another threat to the kingdom of darkness when we, as people of unity and peace, decide that we want to live life in unity and not apart. Church, there is so much power in unity. And there is so much grace that can flow from a difficult conversation that maybe we just need to have. There's grace, church, in tough talks. And what you'll maybe even find, even from Psalm 133, like we talked about earlier, where there's unity, where there's difficult conversations that bring about peace and resolutions with one another's heart. And I know we'll not use this language in the workplace and places like that. But when there is a movement toward one another's heart, not for the sake to get our point across, but to have a relationship restored. The scripture says God blesses it. God's blessing comes when unity is worked for. Here's the second principle, open ears. James 1.19 says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. James is writing to the church. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Next verse, thank you. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Emily, if we could go back to the last slide there, I'm going to try something. We're going to go to Sunday school this morning, okay? Now, how many of us are really good at that and will never fail at it? Anyone? No? Just, okay. It's difficult, isn't it? Quick to listen, slow to speak. So we're going to do something this morning that we used to do sometimes um, in kids' ministry, right? We're going to say it all together, quick to listen, slow to speak. But we're going to go, quick to listen, slow to speak, okay? We're going to slow it down because we want to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Are you ready? One, two, three. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Oh, that was beautiful. One more time. One, two, three. Quick to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak. I don't know about you, church, but sometimes when it comes to restoring our unity and restoring our peace and our relationships and our friendships, um, it's always tempting to try and get our word in, isn't it? It's always tempting to try and say, here's how I feel, here's how I see it, and we just want to kind of get our point across. But what the wisdom that the scripture gives us this morning, church, is that there's wisdom, that there's a grace and a power that comes with being 
slow to listen. Sorry, quick to listen. Slow to speak. There was a, a story of a of a, a businessman whose car had broken down um, out in the country in the middle of nowhere. And his wheel had actually, uh, he had a flat tire in the end is what had happened. And he got out and he was trying to work out where his tools are to try and fix this flat tire. And he realized that he had no tools in the car with him. So he's out stuck stranded. What's he going to do? And out in the distance, he sees a farmhouse and he thinks, you know what, I'll go to the farmer. He's probably going to have the tools to get my car back up and on the road. And as he's walking out, he's going, I just realized this, this is the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere. What if this guy's not up? I wonder if he's going to be annoyed that I've wrapped his door in the middle of the night. I wonder if he'll even have the tools. In fact, imagine if he had the tools and he wouldn't even give them to me. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine if I walk all the way over there and he shouts at me for calling to him in the middle of the night, even though I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere and I just need some help and he won't even give me the tools to get it help and he gets to the door of the farmer's house and he bangs it and the farmer goes, who's there? And he says, you know who it is. And you can keep your wrench and he walks off. And you know what, church? How often before we have a conversation with someone have we already decided what they're going to say, what they think, and everything blows up in our faces? We've all been there, haven't we? Or we've played the whole conversation in our head before it happens. And then we get to the conversation and realize that actually there wasn't that big an understand misunderstanding after all. And church, it can be tempting when we feel like our relationships have been stretched that we want to get our word in. But what scripture says, in order to bring our unity and our peace back together, when we're quick to hear one another, to listen to what each other has to say, do you know what begins to happen? We may not always agree on everything, church, but we can understand each other. We can see where each other's coming from. And when we take the time to be quick to listen, slow to speak, so often we find this, and maybe you find it too, is that actually we'll look at each other and go, we're not actually as far apart as what we think. The disagreement isn't as difficult as maybe what we thought. And things can be repaired in a godly way and in a way that brings unity when we take the time to hear each other out. Is there a conversation in your life this morning, church, where we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak? Here's a third principle, gentle words. This is, I think, one of the most practical Proverbs um, that I, I know of anyway. Proverbs 15 and 1 says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Church, I think this is so challenging. And something that I think it takes work and it takes maturity to really develop into. Scripture is really clear about the power of our words and their ability to cultivate life or death into a situation. Um, Proverbs 18 says that the, the, um, the tongue has the power of life and death, right? And so what Scripture encourages us to do, church, when we enter into a situation is that in order to keep unity and to keep peace, a gentle word can bring restoration. But we've all been there. And a harsh word can set the fireworks off, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm sure we've all been in situations, because I know I have, where you've walked away going, wish I didn't say that. Wish I could take those words back. When we were growing up, um, and maybe you've had this from your parents as well, you were always told, um, particularly if you had siblings, um, 
that once you've, say, once you've said a word, you can't take it back again. Once it's out there, it's out there. And church, this is something that is difficult, but we have to be so careful with our words. Because some of us in the room this morning, and I'm sure there's many of us, some of us have been so wounded by words that it still affects us years later. Words can shape destiny, church. Words can shape relationships for the better or for the worse. And for you and I as believers, we want to carry maturity in our words where we're gentle in our conversations, where we're gentle in our tough discussions. Because what we'll find, church, is that harsh words, being, being difficult on one another, just stretches the relationship all the more. Whoops, you see? <laughs> but a gentle word, church, can bring things back together that people thought were completely irreparable. There's a story of a, of a married couple who were together for 15 years, and they were having a wee bit of, wee bit of a rocky time in their relationship. And so what they decided to do <laughs> was to have a box that they sat in the kitchen. And when any of them, instead of fighting it out and having an argument about it, they had to get a piece of paper and write down what their spouse had done that had annoyed them, right? And then they put it in the box. And what would happen is at the end of the month, they would sit down together and they would look at all the things where they've, you know, done each other's head in or they've grieved one another or they fell out, whatever it is, and then they have to talk it out, right? And the husband, don't anybody take an idea on this, by the way, but the husband sits down and he opens his box, right? And on it says, not putting your dirty socks in the wash, leaving the towel off the radiator, not washing the car, and all these different things that he's pulling out that he's done wrong and didn't put fuel in at the right time and forgot to get milk, and he's pulling all this stuff out about everything that he's done wrong. And then the wife opens the box, and there's loads of notes. And in every single one, it says, I love you. And I know that's a daft story, right? But the point is this, church, our, our words can shape atmospheres, situations, and relationships. And if the Lord has called us to unity and peace in our relationships, we've got to watch our words and have grace with one another when we make the mistake in that area. Here's a fourth and final principle, soft hearts. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 14 says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Church, when we humble our hearts before the Lord, we allow him to soften our hearts, to hear the Holy Spirit say, even in the most difficult situations, to hear his voice, to know when we need to forgive and when we need to be forgiven. And church, it's a soft heart that receives that from the Lord. It's a soft heart that hears his voice to say, hey, you gotta forgive this, or hey, you need to ask for forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but I find those moments really difficult because it means I have to let go of me being the one who looks right in a particular situation 
to take on the obedience of what the Lord has asked us to do. It's difficult, isn't it? And church, if there's one thing that will soften our hearts, if there's one thing that will melt our hearts together, it's remembering what Jesus has done for you and I. It's difficult, church, to stand in front of one another and hold back forgiveness. When he went to Calvary with nails in his hands and in his feet, that you and I can be forgiven. And I mean this with no harshness in our hearts this morning, church. Who are any of us to hold back forgiveness from anyone? If he has gone and given his life for us, we need to share our lives with one another. A.W. Tozer, well-known pastor and, and preacher, says we, these words, we can be united together by either being frozen together or melted together. And church, when we look at the cross and all that he's done, let's let that melt our hearts with one another. Let's let that remind us, as you have been forgiven, so forgive. And as we do that, church, we keep short accounts with God. We have to be forgiven often and we have to forgive often. A sense of unity returns. A sense of peace can be restored even in areas that we thought it was impossible. Because in all things, God is good to those who love him. And so in this moment, church, what we're going to do is something very simple. We're going to receive communion just now. But in this moment, then the worship team are going to come up. And in this moment, we're just going to invite the Lord to melt our hearts, okay? And to allow us to hear from him and our unity of our relationships, our friendships, our colleagues, whatever it might be, and allow the Lord to speak to us this morning in a time of communion. So if you're able, why don't we stand? The team are going to lead us in a song, okay? And see, during this song, church before communion, what a great opportunity just to say, Lord, search my heart. Lord, help me where possible and where healthy to see unity and peace in my relationships and in my friendships. And church, maybe this might be different for you, but there was times in church growing up we were asked to do this. See, during this song, see if you need to go and put some, something right with somebody here this morning, go do it. Don't wait till later. Go put it right now and take communion together. If you need to send a text, send it now. If you need to put something right after the service, let's take a moment to do it. And just believe that the Lord's heart for us is unity and peace together. Why don't we stand, church? We're going to sing this song and use it as a time of preparation before communion to forgive and be forgiven that we would know the unity with one another. In the darkness we were